Once a week, he gets a taste of our jobs when he anchors that program's weekend update. Please join me in welcoming Norm McDonald. For years, Hillary Rodham Clinton has told people that she was named for the first man to climb Mount Everest, Sir Edmund Hillary. But as Esquire magazine recently pointed out, Sir Edmund did not climb Mount Everest until 1953, six years after Hillary was born. However, the First Lady does have a good explanation for the discrepancy. She loves to lie. <laughs> People don't vote on, on issues as much as they just vote on who they'd, uh, like this, that old saw about who you'd rather have a beer with, you know. And nobody wanted to have a beer with Hillary Clinton, you know. I think I had one joke about Donald Trump that I ever did uh, where I said, um, that that uh, that people that Americans hated Hillary Clinton so much that they voted for someone they hated more than Hillary Clinton <laughs> to rub it in. A frightening moment this week for First Lady Hillary Clinton. Her plane, en route to the former Soviet Union, was forced to make an emergency landing when it was discovered that a frayed wire in the engine was causing serious malfunctions. The president was said to be furious and demanded an immediate investigation of what went wrong with Operation Frayed Wire. <laughs> Norm MacDonald died this week after revealing that he had secretly suffered with the disease cancer for 10 years. When reached for comment, Hillary Clinton said, I think he got off light. The following is brought to you by TheKnowledge.com, Dustin Campbell, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, Nick Wood, and Craig. Welcome, everybody, to the Politics, Politics, Politics podcast for September 17th, 2021. It's your old pal Justin Robert Young joining you from Austin, Texas. As you might imagine, we are going to talk a little bit about Norm MacDonald uh, uh, in, our, in our interview segment. We're going to have Andrew Heaton on, uh, who I think, as, I mean, Heaton's an actual stand-up comedian. I am just an appreciator of the art, but we're going to talk about Norm in general and Norm as a political force, because in if you listen to my Dana Carvey episode where I talked about the elemental truths that Carvey worked on, like it was it was you know something that was very kind of broad. Norm was sort of the opposite. In fact, Norm. The fact that Norm so effortlessly did very cutting, very mean comedy about politicians. He did cutting mean comedy about everybody, but he did that very, very well with politicians. I kind of feel like opened the door for a lot of people that were not nearly as good at it and didn't necessarily get why Norm's jokes were so funny. We're going to talk about that with Heaton a little bit later. We are also going to talk about a very curious strategy that the Democrats in D.C. and in Congress are employing. Indeed, they are betting that cocaine Mitch McConnell is bluffing. Good luck. And we will take a little peek into part of the reason why Joe Biden's approval numbers continue to fall. Specifically, his handling of coronavirus. We do have some good news on the horizon for all the parents out there waiting with bated breath to see when their kids can get vaccinated and even those younger than five. All that. Bird 
So amongst everything else that Joe Biden has to deal with, he also has to face down something that should be his biggest strength. He's the guy who gets things through Congress. And, indeed, it was a gigantic step forward for him that he was able to get a bipartisan infrastructure bill, with some of his help, through the Senate. Unfortunately, it is now stuck in the House. And while the Democrats fight amongst themselves in the Senate on the back half of the infrastructure package, the the Build Back Better $3.5 trillion deal that would be the most radical setup of a social safety net, cradle-to-grave social safety net, in American history since, I think, Great Society back in the 60s with Johnson, there are also some other issues that are creeping on up, including the fact that the United States very much needs to raise its debt ceiling, a.k.a. the amount of money that it is allowed to borrow. Otherwise, there is a threat that we might default. These are large-scale issues with not only American credit, but the economy at large. And so, the Democrats, wanting this to be a bipartisan thing, are leaning on the Republicans to help them vote to raise the debt ceiling. To which Mitch McConnell, Senate Minority Leader, says, "Uh uh-uh, he's not going to do it. If the Democrats want to raise the debt ceiling, they can do it through reconciliation. Or they could probably start stepping to the table and dealing with the Republicans on other issues as opposed to trying to ram through the $3.5 trillion bill. Of course, the ability for them to run that bill through is also in doubt. The large story here is... When you're creating ancillary problems that require Mitch McConnell to go back on his word, something that whether or not you trust or like Mitch McConnell, he very, very rarely says one thing and does another. He's much more likely to just say the thing that is you know terrible in your mind and then actually do it. The reality that the Democrats face now in the House is that this reconciliation package is likely not going to pass until late into the fall. The further we get into that position, the closer we get to the midterms. This problem only gets harder, not easier. The general sense through all the reporting that I've read is that the reconciliation bill is too big to fail, and eventually somebody's going to bend the knee that makes this thing work. A reminder that as it is right now, if everybody who has dug their heels in the sand indeed keeps those positions, then the Democrats have nothing to show for having the House, Senate, and White House. That is not a good look. It is also something that would seemingly make Democratic voters less likely to vote for these candidates, especially in swing districts, when the midterms come up. The Dems had their chance. They couldn't even agree with each other. What do you say we change things out would be the elemental idea of it. It also is yet another damaging blow to Joe Biden's competency. Again. While he technically is a guy who sat on a bunch of committees when it comes to foreign policy, and now he's got a black eye in that regard, the economy isn't exactly great, but he was never really known as an economic leader. The coronavirus is still hanging around, although we'll get to that in a second, and he has not quite demonstrated his competency in that area. But the one thing he can do The one thing that no matter what you think of Joe Biden, you have to say is his number one skill set is getting things done in Congress. Now, when you get things done in Congress, they oftentimes take a long time. The question that we have now is if reconciliation isn't going to happen 
by the end of the month, then that means that Nancy Pelosi faces a very, very, very interesting problem. Remember, the House moderate Democrats threatened to derail the entire reconciliation program before it even got started. The reason why they agreed to do what needed to be done is by making Pelosi promise that there would be a vote on bipartisan infrastructure on the 27th of this month. Now, back when they made that deal, I'm sure they thought a lot could get done. But as you're listening to this episode, we are a scant 10 days away. And the Senate looks no closer to giving the House any kind of reconciliation package. Which means Nance has to make a choice. And none of them are good. Does she push back the agreed-upon deadline to vote on the already-delivered bipartisan infrastructure bill? That would immediately neuter the House moderates, who would look like total ding-dongs for surrendering any position and literally getting double-crossed by the time that they were supposed to be paid back for it. That's a bad thing. Or you could put the bill up for a vote, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, up for a vote, at which point you would either be in a position where the Republicans could vote for it and advance it, therefore taking the problem off your hands, but totally infuriating your progressive base, or the Republicans don't vote for it, which looks more likely at this point, and the progressives don't vote for it either because they've said that they will not vote for the bipartisan uh, hard infrastructure bill until the soft infrastructure bill hits their desks as well. They want to pass them both at the same damn time. So you are going to have headlines that the Democrats in the House have shot down this bipartisan infrastructure bill. That is something that will be on every midterm advertisement for anybody running for their House seat in 2022. Oh, also, a reminder that technically Nancy Pelosi said this would be her last term as Speaker. I mean, that was a while ago. We've been fairly well conditioned to know that Nancy Pelosi, uh, rappers, Boxers and wrestlers often promise retirement while not actually doing it. So we will see whether or not she is ready to pass the torch. But if we are only even going to understand that there are matters of legacy involved in this particular situation, then we can begin to realize exactly how tricky things are. Regardless, of where you are on these issues, the reality is that there is right now a logjam for the Democrats in Congress. The big signature achievement that they passed was months ago with the COVID bill. And a lot of that stuff has kind of come and gone, even in the minds of those uh, of voters, considering that the Democrats are not getting a ton of credit for COVID right now, at least after the surge of the Delta. The next thing that they did was the bipartisan infrastructure bill. And they're fighting so bad about that that it hasn't even hit the president's desk. When will things happen? Or maybe the question will be, if things happen at all. Good news for parents. Pfizer and BioNTech expect to apply for approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration for their coronavirus vaccine for use in children between the ages of six months and five years old in November. This from the company's chief financial officer, Frank D'Amelio, in an industry conference on Tuesday. They will also be applying uh, sooner than, than that particular filing for approval of the vaccine in children from 5 to 11. Obviously, 
That is something that a lot of parents are very, very concerned about. Oh, by the way, a, a correction on something that I said during the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show, which everybody heard this week because it is indeed PX Free Week. And that is, I made mention of a study that showed that there are one in 5,000 breakthrough infections for vaccinated people. Uh, a quick caveat to that, that's not wrong per se, but it is important that I note, uh, as somebody emailed me about it, that it is one in 5,000 daily. So this is, is more than just one in 5,000 forever, right? It, it, is, it is one in 5,000 every day. So look, the, the reality is the vaccine is still extraordinarily effective at preventing hospitalization and death. Breakthrough infect, uh, infections are far more mild on average than getting the coronavirus raw. And there's that. So I wanted to say that. But let's also take this moment to take a look at Delta as a whole. Biden's vaccine mandates have made quick work of this variant, it seems. Indeed, it looks like cases peaked on September 2nd here in America a stunning eight days before Biden announced said mandates. Surely the virus heard the footsteps and became so scared it began a retreat. All jokes aside, uh, this is obviously good news. It appears that we are past our peaks in some of the largest hotspots, including Florida and Texas. It will be very curious to see what happens as the temperatures begin to cool, as it has started to do out here in central Texas, in Austin, we are now uh, in, 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 the, in the highs of 90 as opposed to the highs of 100. But that also means along with the pumpkin spice lattes and all of the apple picking up there in the Northeast, things begin to get quite chilly. People begin to hang out indoors and we begin to see natural transmission in the northern states. Undoubtedly, considering that the breakthrough infections do happen at a certain rate, we are likely going to see stuff spread in the Northeast and Midwest. How bad will it be? How long will it last? Those are the questions. Also, continuing questions about the boosters. Who needs them? How can they get them? So far, one of the biggest things that I think has uh, really led to Biden's erosion of confidence, at least amongst the people on this issue, is the fact that we, we still kind of seem just sort of in the soup. That was a thing that confusion, the alleviation of confusion and mixed messages was something that I think many Biden voters expected would be better under the veteran leader, as opposed to the chaotic tornado that is Donald Trump. And yet, we haven't quite seen it. We still don't know whether or not the boosters are going to happen, when they should happen, and the order in which they should happen. Mix into that all of the ethical questions about it. The idea of whether or not we should be getting boosters. When the World Health Organization is saying that, look, the United States, you, you've done good. You're pretty well vaccinated. What do you say we throw some of these shots down to some of these countries that have single-digit percentage vaccinations? For as worried as we are, there is a worldwide problem with this disease that will only get worse the more that we are using shots. Now, I don't know exactly how much of that really is 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 hand in hand and and whether or not if we all said no boosters for us, the shots would immediately make it to other places that would absolutely need it. I'm not an expert on the logistics of these this kind of medical science. But still, there's a lot of I don't know right now. And whether or not these vaccine mandates are effective in moving our number with one shot uh, uh, 
one shot uh, administration from 75 to 80 or 85, will that affect the difference in our breakthrough cases? Or are we still in for a bit of a dark winter? I know this for sure. The worse it gets, the worse it will get for Joe Biden. As the latest polls that have come out while I am recording this in the middle of the week continue to be bad. He has not yet found his floor in terms of how upset the American public is in terms of his approval rating. And if you subscribe like I do, that you can usually pad in like a plus two, plus three for Democrats and a minus two, minus three for Republicans in these opinion polls. Well, he might be doing even worse than we think. I don't know what the end game is on COVID. I honestly don't. But I do know that as far as the hand-holding and bedside manner, the Biden administration has not delivered in the way that I expected, at least. And based on these polls, it seems like America agrees. I would like to thank everybody for joining us in PX Free Week. And also, here's a little reminder for you. Not only have all of the episodes that would normally be behind our paywall at TakePoliticsSeriously.com been in the free feed this week, but I was even able to proselytize the good word. In fact, our guest today, Andrew Heaton, is also putting his Patreon content in his free feed, up to and including an interview with me. So, if you would like to get all of Heaton's stuff, you can go ahead and do that right now at the Political Orphanage. Of course, all of our free stuff is in my free feed. But all good things must come to an end. And unfortunately, this will be the last day of our free week. So if you like what you heard, now's the time to make the move. Take politics seriously. Dot com is where you need to go. And we got some really cool stuff coming up. Not only this legislative log jam that's happening that I set up at the beginning of this episode, but also an honest to goodness, real race up in Virginia. I'm going to be heading up there, interviewing people, boots on the ground. And whenever that happens, that means that the patrons get the extra content that they deserve. So, Treat yourself. TakePoliticsSeriously.com Our guest today is no stranger to the program, but what many of you might not know is that Andrew Heaton is a very, very, very funny stand-up comedian. And like anybody who appreciates comedy, but certainly those who practice it, there are gods amongst their trade. One of them has unfortunately shuffled his mortal coil. Norm MacDonald, dead after, in secret, suffering from cancer. But when I was thinking of somebody to talk about Norm with, there was nobody. Higher on the list than Andrew Heaton. Welcome back to the show, Andrew. A pleasure to be here, Justin. Glad to be back. Uh, I, I, like I said in this intro, I, I, when I was thinking about people to talk to with Norm Macdonald, it, I, I initially thought of you, and then realized that we had not spoken about Norm Macdonald. But then when I hit you up, you're like, "Oh no, he's like a, a, a literal uh, a god to me." So he, I was, I was I, very happy. Norm Macdonald is my favorite comedian. I would have said that last week before he passed away. And not only that, um, I was literally like, it, I, I'm kind of in a state of shock right now because I've never met him. But yeah. I, I was, you know, I was over in Scotland for three weeks. 
here recently. I got back last week. While I was there, I listened to his album, Me Doing Stand-Up, and then I also drove around Sky and listened to his audiobook of Based on a True Story, his memoir. So I've he's been in my head, not just the last 15 years, but like literally the last two weeks, I've been listening to large amounts of Norm MacDonald. And uh, Turner Sparks, a comedian friend of mine, uh, we were doing comedy in uh, um, Ardmore, and we're about to go do comedy in, in Dallas. So he was staying with me in Tulsa, and like we were talking about Norm MacDonald. Again, this yeah. is like four days ago. We're just off, off, off randomly talking about what a genius Norm Macdonald now was, sadly. So, yeah, yeah. I big fan and very sad that he's gone. I've heard that that book is amazing. I have not listened to it, but uh, uh, it is it is a memoir, I think, in name only as as, yes. it, as it takes wild, wild uh, uh, Norm Macdonald esque uh, 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 diversions into insane insanity. Very much so. I, I think it's it's almost more of a it's almost like his life is the improv prompt for a scene that he is making. Like there yeah. are parts of it that are real. Like he, yeah, he's from Canada and he was on Saturday night live. That's all legit. <laughs> but the, yeah. rest, the rest of it's just completely made up. Like he, and he, he does a very good job with the book of making himself this sort of degenerate, uh, um, has been character that, that <laughs> just, uh, completely, like is clearly not like like one of the things that he does in the book is he he has chapters written by the ghostwriter. There's no ghostwriter. It's Norm McDonald. Yeah. But the ghostwriter would like be like, listen, I have to explain this next section. Um, I like I was hanging out with Norm McDonald and he went on this tirade about why he doesn't trust Eskimos. It was 20 minutes and this whole thing about how he's never met an Eskimo he trusts. He's never actually met an Eskimo. And like it just like <laughs> it. And so Norm, Norm comes off as this like very low intelligence, extremely low talent guy that deserves to not be famous. Like he keeps alluding to his brilliant uh, answering machine joke, which you he never even <laughs> spells out. But you just you gather it's this very tepid 1980s uh, yeah. like. Like early '90s answering machine joke, but he always talks about it like it was this groundbreaking joke that that altered comedy. I I, I was trying to process something yet, uh, when when he died. We we're recording this on Wednesday, so he died mm. uh, the uh, you know, within 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. I was trying to process how on Twitter of all places he had a hundred percent approval rating. For somebody that never really spared any sacred cows, who who willfully kind of transgressed into territory that uh, uh you know is is sacred and and mm -hmm. and gets even the most famous comedians into hot water uh, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of sexuality and gender and uh, uh, and all that, and yet yesterday at the very least there there was nobody who was at least in my little echo chamber, which is filled with political hot takes, there was mm -hmm. nobody with the well actually, nobody with right. the noted misogynist Norm MacDonald can you know, rot in hell or anything like that, which happens to everybody when good or bad things happen. In inclu to including them. death. I feel like people usually like go a little bit easier when when media hell figures no. die. No. No. Oh no. That's when you can get the hottest take off, is what yeah. it's like. Plus, you like know. there's also it's there's there's a whole industry out of being the Actually, guys, this thing was pretty bad. Like you can, that's yeah. a really good way to jumpstart your career. There's, uh, there's somebody that do you do you remember when uh, there was a hot take that John Stewart was really sexist, uh, and and how his staff had confronted him and all this stuff. And it turns out that what what had happened was exactly one lady had been fired from the Daily Show, and then this and then she went to this so-called journalist and and said this, and then uh, the. Uh, other people talked to everyone else at the Daily Show that was like, oh, yeah. no, she got fired for very legitimate reasons and and she didn't belong here. And like, I'm a woman and I'm telling you, Jon Stewart's not remotely sexist. And I've always felt comfortable being here. But that the lady who wrote that story, I mean, it launched her and she got all these clicks and then she became a, a, a CNN contributor. And like, it's great. If, if here's something for anybody listening to your audience that wants to become a goddamn hack and really <laughs> make make their life good. Write, write a thing about how The Office is actually a terrible show and it's actually yeah. like sexist and misogynist. And you'll get some you'll get some feedback on that you'll, you'll, get, you'll get some traction clicks. you'll get traction yeah. you'll get traction that on that yeah make your little deal with the devil so you get your clapter <laughs> and your 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 clicks and you can continue clawing your miserable life up a 
I'll, I'll digress here. I don't like but again, again, again. I'm not even talking about journalists, right? I'm talking right. about the random person on Twitter. It only takes right. one person to say, actually, I hated Norm Macdonald and I hated the fact that he punched down and I hated the fact that he was so cavalier about these things that are so dear and blah, 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 blah. None of that. None of that. Like, even like there is a joke that I remember because I remember it so vividly uh, in high school. Me and my buddy Harry used to tape everything that was just like randomly on. And before school, I would come to his house and we would just watch whatever was taped, usually uh -huh. wrestling and comedy. Those were the mm -hmm. two things that was usually being watched. And so there was an episode of the Dennis Miller show, the show that he used to have on HBO, right. the like, I don't want to go off on a rant here mm -hmm. show. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's sitting there with Norm Macdonald and the, the, the joke is that I don't want to do the joke, but it's him saying, uh, uh, I went to a gay pride parade and there was a 60 year old couple holding a sign saying we're proud of our gay son, which seems like an odd thing to say because that's not something you work your entire life for. You don't go to your friend and say, hey, uh, my son just graduated first in his class at Harvard. He's working for an amazing law firm. We're so proud. <laughs> also, here's, and then he goes to do explicit right. uh, things a very about, about yeah. a very explicit and showing his friend a picture of yeah. the very explicit acts that would define somebody as homosexual. Yeah, no, he, th that's all on the album, Me Doing Stand-Up, which is brilliant. My favorite part of yeah. Me Doing Stand-Up is he, he talks about when you're watching the news and crime comes up and there's like a murder victim and he goes... I wouldn't kill a woman. I say that. I know there's no river so long it doesn't contain a, contain a bend, but I don't think I'd murder a woman. <laughs> <laughs> and he proceeds to go on this like four minute, like a four minute prologue diatribe about how he would commit murder. And he does it in a way that I think 99% of the population would understand this is a joke. It's not, yeah. he's not, he's not like, this isn't some weird misogynist impulse. And I think that's part of the reason, Justin, that, that he has such a, a, a high amount of approval behind him uh, was two things. First of all, um, Norm Norm was never dunking for a side. So he would dunk. He was an equal opportunist. I, I, I think that he I mean probably... Yeah. All right. But please go ahead because this I, I want to I, I want to get into I this. I think he probably I think he was largely apolitical. He probably leaned conservative, but I don't think it was at the forefront of his mind the way it is for you and me. But he would make fun of everybody. Uh, and so he's got that going for him. Secondly, a lot of comedians like particularly political comedians. We know that we score points when we dunk on the other team and, yeah. and we'll do they'll line it up and do that. And he never really did when he was making fun of people. It was never because he wanted to score points with a team. It's because he wanted to make a joke. And so he he went off there after a lot of sacred cows, but you never got the idea that it was him turning around and giving the thumbs up to whatever his team was, which I think helps. And then the other thing, which I think helps him is that with, with comedy, I was actually turning, uh, talking to Turner Sparks about this, who, who turned me onto this theory that in comedy with standup, you, you tend to have comedians who are crazy and looking at a sane world, or you have yep. comedians that are sane and looking at a crazy world. And yeah. kind of what, what comes out of this is you get like observational humor. Jerry Seinfeld's an example of a, a sane person looking at a crazy world. Uh, whereas like, I don't know, maybe, um, well, my like, friend like, Turner. Like, yeah, Mitch Hedberg is, Mitch, is an yeah, example Mitch Hedberg's of a, great a example crazy of a, person a that crazy is looking person. at a mundane thing and seeing something that we're not seeing. Right. And, and so like, like when you're, and, and then the other thing I'll add to that is a lot of the time in comedy, you're, you're you're not going up making jokes that there, there are people that do jokes that are basically like, look how much smarter we are than everybody else, guys. You see a lot of yeah. this in Brooklyn, by the way. There's a lot of hipster humor that is it's focused on references where the punchline is an obscure reference. That way, if you don't get it, it's because you're an idiot. But if you get it, yeah. you, get to feel, you get to feel smarter than everybody. Norm never did that. Norm, Norm never played the smarty pants card. He always played the, the no. idiot card. Clearly, he wasn't an idiot, but he always played the idiot card. It's much harder to hate idiots because they're positioning them, themselves lower than you are. They're not trying to make you feel bad about yourself. They're not trying to make you feel lower than them. So as a result of that, you don't really feel much, much animosity towards them. You know, I would only critique it in that I, I think he was always very populist. Like he never made his jokes particularly hard to understand. And yet the brilliance is that they were always very smart. There was oh, yeah. always a lot packed well, he was, into He was it, deeply right? philosophical. Like you think about like his, his, his oeuvre was largely dealing with death uh, and, and sex well, and things like that. Like actually kind of deep concepts, but, it, but he comes off like a drunk at a bar, even though he didn't drink. You know, and that's, uh, uh, you know, there's the, 
the, one of the jokes that's been going around since he died is uh, this, the moth joke that he told on Conan O'Brien, where it's, you know, a moth goes into a podiatrist yeah. and then digresses into like a yeah. solid six minutes of yeah. like the saddest story you could ever hear. No, tr- like, Truly, like, like not just sad, but terrifying where you're listening to this te- and yes. it's like, I wake up every day next to my my wife and I, I know an I used old to, woman, an old I, yeah, woman I, I used to love. <laughs> I, I, I used to be filled with joy when I saw her flesh, but now I only see decay. And yes. it's just like, you're like I can't just, look my it, son in the face because I only <laughs> see my own cowardice and I don't love mm-hmm. him anymore. Uh-huh. Uh, because I, I, I to, to consider loving him would be to <laughs> embrace the fact that I should have killed myself years ago. <laughs> like the saddest stuff. And the podiatrist says, I think you need a psychiatrist why did you come in here and he says oh because the light's on because he's a mom <laughs> right like so it's like it's very very dense mm-hmm. very packed extraordinarily beautifully written uh and yet it was always very populous that the, the handles on it were always very easy to grab but to get to the political stuff which is really what i want to talk about with you he had his targets and who knows if he had been in the weekend update chair when you know, George Bush was president, how how it would have turned out. But he was brutal to Hillary Clinton specifically. Mm-hmm. Like Bill Clinton got it. Nobody got it like Hillary. Like uh, there is a, Wait, like a back, back when she was running in, in 2012 and 2016. No, 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 no. This is or 20, when, she's, when she's first lady. Really? So it's okay. like, oh, Brutal, brutal, like uh, uh, just and and it always comes back to these very elemental Norm Macdonald punchlines of like uh, 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 Hillary Clinton testified uh, uh, in in front of the the special prosecutors about Whitewater raising uh, uh, after she was caught in a few troubling different inconsistencies. When asked for comment, she said, "I love lying." <laughs> But yeah, then no. there was some. He was, was great. No, he, were, he, he went. He went on the View. It was always wonderful watching him on the View because you could tell they liked him, but they were really pissed off that he was not like just a, a hundred percent on board the progressive yeah. everybody else's evil train. And like he back in oh back in two thousand, he he came on. They brought him on because he had a picture. They found a picture of him just. With George W. Bush candidate George W. Bush smiling yeah. and giving a thumbs up, and they were like, "What's this about?" Like, you know, like the the context was like, "How dare you take a picture with a Republican presidential with candidate while, smi- yeah. while smiling?" And he went, "I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not super political. I just, I just think it's good that we have a, you know, maybe a president of the White House that hasn't murdered anyone." And they're like, what? <laughs> they're like, why do you? Oh, sorry, I'm Canadian. I thought this was well known over here that Bill Clinton murdered this guy, Vince Foster. He murdered him. And I just think it's great that it like it refused to back down from it. And they're just getting more and more apoplectic yeah. that he's spreading this story. Oh, it was great. No, I mean, uh, there is one, there's like <laughs> a two part joke that's visual where uh, uh, <laughs> just a weekend update joke, which is a picture of Hillary. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, an introduction to America's first bitch. <laughs> and just overhead, right? And then there's just a picture of, of Bill Clinton walking in front of Hillary Clinton, and it's just, hey, bitch, why are you walking so fast? I'm trying to keep up. Like, there were just, there were things with him that were so brutal. Like, again, and there was, like, there was a runner, a, a running joke that he had that Bill Clinton wanted to kill Hillary and wanted to imprison <laughs> Hillary. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, like, that, that, he built like a world that was very edgy and very dangerous. And obviously some of that stuff, even if you're like, oh, I want to be mean to a woman in politics. I don't think you can just say, hey, yeah. here's it would, America's It would bitch. not fly today. Like, but but, the, the, but I think the interesting thing is like, like I think his targets in more recent uh, days is like, and you, you know my theory. I don't think the culture war is between right and left. I think that that's a, a kind of dumb way sure. of looking at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the culture war is between, as it has always been, pluralists and authoritarians. It's between people that are okay with other people being an error and people that require compliance for everyone. That's the dividing line. And it doesn't matter if you're conservative or progressive because that instinct manifests in both. And Norm was very much on the pluralist side of things. And it was interesting to watch him because he tended to target. It wasn't that he was targeting 
progressives, I don't think. It was that he was targeting self-righteousness and he was targeting um, he was targeting hypocrisy, that, hypocrisy and compliance thinking like there was a he, he was on uh, he was one of the, the judges for. Um, I think it was America's Got Talent or whatever the the kinship program is to that. I don't know. And there was a comedian and I've, I've met him a couple of times in New York. He's a nice guy, but he has a joke about um, how he, like he was on he's on the subway and, and a guy yells something about like, uh, you know, gay marriage is wrong. Leviticus 4 to, you know, whatever. And he goes, well, yeah. if you can quote your favorite book, why can't I shout Harry Potter at you? And everybody applauds. And, 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 you know, one of the judges goes, you're so brave to, you know, to call out Christianity on national television. And then he gets to door, but he's like, I don't think you're brave. Like you're, <laughs> let me get this straight. You're, you're criticizing religion here in Manhattan. Like you're, you're making fun <laughs> of religion with all of these other people that are atheists. You're going to go all this. Kind of, by the way, did you know that, that, uh, uh, Rowling says that her book is based on the Bible. So if, <laughs> if you like Harry Potter, which your book alludes to, then you should acknowledge like, and just like had no time for this. Like, like, uh, yes, I'm saying the right thing. Everybody clap like a trained seal. You know, and, and he was very cagey, Norm. And I think that that might have also been part to his aid that I do think that kind of everybody thought he was fighting for them. That at some point you said maybe he has this kind of like Hitchens quality. Like I always say about Christopher Hitchens that if if you think that you've agreed with everything you've read of Christopher Hitchens. You just need to read more Christopher Hitchens. Mm. There's going to be something that you read where you're like, what, what planet is this asshole on? Uh, and and I think that, that there might've been that with Norm because like, I, I really do think he was there for the joke. Yeah. Like he really, so. like the number one thing I, I disagree with you. I think he was a very political thinker. Interesting. I, I, I I, I he, do he, think he, he played had very those cards pretty held. close to his chest. Like he never, to my knowledge, did he endorse Dole? I think he might have endorsed Dole. He, um, he might have just in that. It's by the way, it might have been a joke uh, too. I don't really know. I mean, a sign of of uh, uh, the bizarre he, he, nature he didn't of life. Learn that, on sleeve that, the that way, like Dennis Dole Miller did. Like lived him. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. That was very strange that, that Bob, Bob Dole issued a tweet today that's like, Bob Dole respects morning uh, res to passing. Res respects Norm Macdonald, very friend of mine, Bob Dole. Uh, <laughs> By the way, I watched his full Norm's full 1997 uh, radio and TV correspondence dinner set. Uh, oh, I forgot that about that. Yeah. Uh, and his ender is, uh, oh, I, I have this letter that I got from Bob Dole. So it's 97. It's right after the 96 uh -huh. election uh, that he he really he wanted me to read for you guys to all the assembled press. Uh Screw you! Screw you all to hell! You <laughs> bastards kept me out of the White House! Go to hell! <laughs> it's just such a great... Okay, so, wait, wait, so, so why, why do you think he's super political? Or why do you think he was a very political I, thinker? I, I just think he had a very well-defined... And, and when you watch some of the, 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 the video podcast stuff and, and his Netflix show, he's very smart and he's very... Like in that Norm Macdonald way, very, very opinionated, but he was never going to say it. He was going to make other people say it. He would steer a conversation. In fact, the most brilliant Norm Macdonald thing I've ever seen in my entire life, and I'm sure this is on YouTube if you want to go look it up. But right after he got fired from SNL, and this is a media scandal, the likes of which we had not seen since Johnny Carson leaving Jay Leno and, and Letterman. It was a huge thing pre-Conan and everything just this huge little media thing. He goes on uh, uh, Howard Stern, if not the next day, then like the day after the next day and just lets Howard tell the entire story of like in that Howard Stern kind of way, knowing that Howard Stern's going to be like, so, you know, they fired you, right? They fired you. They, they, they told you you couldn't make jokes about OJ and then they fired you. And he was like, well, you know, I, how it seemed to be an interesting theory <laughs> and just, and Howard is annoyed that he won't say the thing, not realizing that that's exactly what Norm wants. He wants somebody else to say a thing while he's not saying no. Mm. And, and that to me was just one of the most like brilliant things. And when you look at the fact that, look, the man died with 
without telling anybody that he had cancer for a decade. Yeah. For a decade. And I think that's through like three different television shows, all of which could probably benefit from the press of saying that their star was yeah. battling cancer right. through his entire career, through through everything that he did. That man kept that secret. So I think the guy that keeps his cancer diagnosis secret mm. for 10 years, I think can surely have a fully formed political opinion and ideology that does not bubble up in, in beyond the jokes. And maybe that's part of what we, 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 we thirst for now that that's the iconoclast and not what used to be, you know, every comedian and celebrity had their own political opinions and and then wanted their act to supersede it. Now we're kind of in the inverse. And maybe now we're looking at that and saying like, oh, wow, that was actually kind of cool and refreshing. Like you got hints, like you might know that he probably was more conservative than liberal, but it, it didn't stop him from making jokes that made everybody laugh. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I you, you raise a great point. And I think the other thing to consider, too, is that Norm was a pure comic. He he was 100 yeah. percent comic. He wasn't like I'm like 40 percent comic, 50 percent pundit, 10 percent baritone. Like I've, I've got some <laughs> mixture there. Right. And, and most yeah. most comics today do. They've most comics have some amount of pundit in them that that militates against that comedic instinct. And they go, ah, I'm going to do this thing and it's going to help push the narrative the way I want. Or alternately, this will teach the bad guys. what Norm didn't seem to have anything. He really just wanted to get the laugh. He really wanted to do uh, humor yes. and, and make people laugh. That was all of his motivation. And so the, the political perspective, even if it is as uh, well uh, defined in his mind as, as you indicate, I think was still very secondary to the, the main push, which was to be funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wanted to contrast him with the episode that I did about Dana Carvey, where I think Dana Carvey very much was great at political humor because he got these elemental elements and then blew them up in caricature beyond recognition. And that's where the comedy came in. And we don't really see that a lot when you're trying to make very specific points about somebody's soul or character or actions that they took. It's hard to do a big elemental portrait when, you, when you're being that specific. Norm kind of was that specific. Norm was not afraid, again, to say like, oh, I thought it was uh, uh, you know, common knowledge that that uh, uh, the Clintons are murderers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince like, Foster, was, he worked for the Clintons, yeah. and they yeah. murdered, they, but, they, <laughs> but they made him look like he'd shot himself. But it was with his left hand, with his left hand. Yeah. Uh, but like, he was, he was specific. And that's what I think, I don't know. I, 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 I was just, I was befuddled that he got the pass there. And by the way, have you ever seen, I know you're not like a big sports he, he guy. He did get it, in trouble a couple of times. Like keep in mind, like he got, one of the times he got in trouble, which was a big deal. Cause I think we mentioned this when I was doing something's off was he had said it was, I think right after Roseanne got canceled or maybe I think it was Roseanne, but he, he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, I, I get that people say the wrong things sometimes, but we have to give them an out. Like we have to allow them yeah. to apologize and move on with their lives, because if we don't, they have no reason to ever change their mind. And we'll just double down because they know they'll be flayed alive if they admit defeat. And like he got taken to like they got he got basically pulled onto the the view and you could like see the gun hanging off from the side of the camera pointed at him like in North Korea. And was like, I'm real sorry. I didn't mean that. You should. If anyone says anything bad, we should ruin their lives and kill their pets <laughs> and like all this stuff. So like like a couple of times he would get in trouble for that. Although generally, I mean, anybody not actively on the view would go, yeah, that's a pretty good point. Yeah. I mean, also that's a rare moment where he kind of had an earnest, you know, point of view, which mm -hmm. I think the only things that he was ever really earnest about, at least on his Twitter, was gambling picks and golf live tweeting, which is actually the reason why I had to mute him on Twitter because <laughs> God, would he just fill my timeline with golf play-by-play. -play. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, I, I, I wonder if there's an element of, I mean, is it just talent at the end of the day? Is it just the fact that Norm Macdonald was somebody that you can't look at him and hear his jokes and not be like, oh, that might be the greatest pure joke writer yeah. of, of all time. Like, I, I think so. I think if you if you don't like Norm Macdonald and I don't know anybody who doesn't like him, but if you if you truly don't like him, or you don't get it. It would I would immediately want to go. What do you like? Who are the funny yes. people? Because it's 
possible, right? They're they're very good comedians that I don't particularly care for, and I'll acknowledge that they're good at the craft. So like maybe, but probably speaking, this is one of those things where you know everybody thinks they're an above average driver, and everybody thinks yeah. they're 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 they've got a great sense of humor, and also so far everyone I've met in political media thinks they could have been a comedian. They just decided not to because they're too smart. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that that like uh, if you don't like Norm Macdonald, that should be a, a red flag for you that you you may not have a good sense of humor. It's possible but you also, don't have a good sense of humor. Also, is it something? Is it weird that I kind of always sort of felt like Norm Macdonald was like kind of a a a, a niche com- like comedian's comedian kind of guy, and then he dies, and all of a sudden it feels like a prime minister is dead. Like like right. everybody I've ever known is like, oh my god, Norm Macdonald, the best. I love Mar- he, Norm Macdonald. It's he like, wasn't this- why 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 wasn't his Netflix show a hit? Right. Like, the- why was every television show that he did a flop after SNL? And this this is such a this is such a sad thing too because it's. I don't want to say sad because Norm Macdonald had he commanded the full enthusiastic respect of the comedy community. And yes. I think for for somebody like that, if you're making a living and all of your peers think you're a genius, that's a pretty good place to be in life, even if you're not, you know, getting a hundred million Americans watching your sitcom. So he 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 had a very good place. That said though, he was very much a comedian's comedian. Um I like everybody I know in comedy loved Norm Macdonald. Uh, but he never really he uh, past SNL, he never really breached that sort of household name kind of level the way Louis C.K. did or or Adam uh, uh, Carolla did or excuse me, Adam Carell did. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, he but like again, Adam, like, Adam Sandler, Adam, she, Sandler. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Like I watched um, yeah. Dirty Work. I, I was I was babysitting my brother in high school when Dirty Work came out on VHS. I watched yep. it, watched it all the way through, completely laughed my ass off, rewound it and watched it a second time all the way through. It's the only film I've ever watched back to back because I thought it was so funny. And uh, and his projects were like that. And yet, yeah, he never really managed to get out of that, like kind of everybody knows Norm, but he's not. He, he people don't know him unless they know comedy thing, which which is strange. And I now everybody's it's like everybody kind of thought he'd be around for 20 more years. And, and they're like, so. oh, I love him. I know you, you're not you're not a sports guy, but have you watched his ESPYs monologue, the famous ESPYs monologue that he did? No. So the ESPYs uh, uh, ESPN's award show, uh-huh. he does the he hosts the show uh, in oh God, it's got to be 98 or so. Uh but it's it's famously the reason why the SBs are now very, very bland since then. Every year since then, because his monologue is just unsparing, like um like Norm Macdonald at like the 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 top of his game. Uh the the end joke is uh, uh, everybody, let's go ahead and give a big hand for Charles Woodson. Uh, just won the Heisman Trophy, played offense and defense. What an amazing achievement. You know, Charles, that's that's something that uh they can never take away from you, you know, unless you kill your wife and a waiter. You know, but but other than that, ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I, like I get it. His album, he is a great thing about uh, Tiger Woods, where where Tiger Woods said in his album, Tiger Woods had just gotten hot water for having an affair, and, yeah. and he goes, "Listen, I." I, I most of us, how many times in our lifetime can you can you really have the opportunity to cheat? You know, for for most men, maybe ten times across their lifetime, right? But but for him, if you think about how many women he slept with versus how many women he could have slept with, it was like <laughs> eighty million women he could have slept with. He slept with maybe sixty, maybe a hundred, right? So if you if you average that out, it, he had point zero 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 one percent infidelity, making him mathematically. The least adulterous person who's ever lived. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what what an absolute uh, 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 legend! And uh, uh, politically, I would I would recommend to everybody go watch that correspondence dinner. Uh, uh, my favorite joke out of it, uh, aside from the Dole stuff, is uh, you know you know uh, the White House is uh, haunted. It's true, White House is uh, haunted. Just last week. Uh, Bill Clinton sold Abe Lincoln uh, ten. Th- or he charged Abe Lincoln ten thousand dollars to sleep in his own room, <laughs> which is very much a joke of the era. But yeah. I just yeah, thought yeah. It was no. I remember was that. So, that's so a funny. forgotten scandal. Yeah, no, he was great uh, man. I uh, Norm Macdonald, rest in peace. He was a brilliant, brilliant comedian. 
Uh, Heaton, I, I've already uh, mentioned it to everybody, but uh, if folks want to go ahead and get much like they are doing here on my uh, feed this week, I'm putting all the Patreon stuff out mm-hmm. on the free feed. You are doing the exact same. So what mm-hmm. can people get on the Political Orphanage feed this week? I've got I've got three bonus episodes that you can check out that are usually behind the paywall. So uh-huh. uh, on on probably or is this airing tomorrow, Justin? This is, is this airing on Thursday? Friday, Friday. This is airing Friday. Friday. Great. So by the yeah. time you listen to this, uh, Justin and I are going to do a bonus episode, but it'll be on the main feed. We're going to talk about California yep. and Gavin Newsom and the recall election. I've I've just released a rerun bonus episode on Napoleon Bonaparte and what we can learn from him about foreign policy. And then if you go back a couple of weeks, there's a really really good one on Wednesday. Churchill that people very much like. The, it is Winston Churchill and the opposite of Winston Churchill. So I, I sometimes I, I do kind of like prolonged history monologues on on the podcast. They're, they're, they're all they're available great. for you. So check uh, out the uh, political orphanage. I think that you are you are doing uh, you're doing some of your best work when you do that stuff. So everybody go check it out. The political orphanage and of course our friend Andrew Heaton. Thanks as always, buddy. Thank you. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, Politics, Politics is written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. The show was edited by Brett Stewart. If you want to thank our guest, you can head on over to px3guest.com. Of course, you can email the show, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, px3tweets. Our Twitch is px3live.com. Our, uh, a share of the podcast with a friend at px3podcast.com and get all of your px3 merch at politicsmerch.com. Of course, if you'd like to make a one time donation, you can by sending us a uh, a little something something via PayPal is paypal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin young 20 and our cash app is px3cash. Meanwhile, anything physical that you would like to send, you can do so at P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. Fun little story. So I went to the P.O. Box the other day and I got a great letter from a, a, a listener who is a serviceman overseas who sent me 10 euros. Now, I'm pretty sure that that's more then $3. It's probably more than the dollar that I usually ask for on Venmo. I don't know. I'm not a money scientist, but I very much enjoyed it. I always love silly stuff showing up into the P.O. Box. One more time. That is P.O. Box 153184, Austin, Texas 78715. Of course, if you've enjoyed our PX free week, you can get that exact experience every week at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. That's where you find our Patreon. $3 tier gets you two bonus episodes per week covering all the news we miss during our regular podcast schedule. Specifically, it is the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday show and our late edition. The $10 tier gets you that and your name right at the end of the podcast like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, including Idris Arslanian, DJ Katie Mack, Niemeister, Dr. G, Lord Scale, De Quince, Anile, Admiral Flapjack, Utah Jimmy Montana, Edmund Pluribus Unum, Peter Spicery, 70s TV salesman or spy? Do you really? And vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order, Zombie Doc Edison, no mention on the podcast, please, dot com junkie D4 Bongo, ye open bull shop, John Snaffies. Off Route 44, Brian, Neil, Darren, Olin, and Angela, DL, Stephen, Chad, Miranda, Janelle, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, the most conscientious, nonpartisan listeners, Brad, Richard, D. Laser, just another pilot, Mike, The Jen, Will, J. Pink, and Andrew. If you would like to join their ranks, oh, it is so simple. Take politics seriously. .com another week in the books and boy you know uh uh i feel like past labor day this is when news traditionally picks up congress is back in dc 
We got a lot of big deadlines looming. I can smell an election coming up. The recall is behind us. We're ready to roll. And I'm here for you. Thank you guys for enjoying PX Free Week. Till next time, is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Oh, you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.